Does your mom or dad still carry you? No. Sometimes when I fall asleep in the car, they have to carry me. Sometimes I fake sleep so they have to carry me, but don't tell them. I wish someone would carry me. That's all you got? Come on, put some back. Well, guys, this is our final time together. Anything you want to say? So what are you going to do? Just sit there and stare at me? I can't do this. All right, guys, later. Oh, we're going to miss those kids, aren't we? Can we just thank them again for doing that? And then our, our team kids for singing a wonderful song. You know, when we think about it, as we're growing up, we can't really fathom how big and strong and mighty God is. And even as we grow up, we still cannot fathom how great God is. Today we conclude our series, The Simple Truth, and we're going to be talking about Jesus Carries You. The neat thing is that in this world, we can see it physically. When we get hurt, when we uh, break a leg or something like that, somebody carries us. I remember when my, uh, when my arm was broken, uh, someone carried me and helped me to the side because I was in pain. You know, they, they, they made sure that I was taken care of. Whenever someone takes care of you or, or carries you, it means that they have the ability to do so or they, they are willing to do so. And when it comes to our spiritual life, someone needs to carry us. Now, here's the danger. Sometimes what we do is we rely on other people to carry us. And for some, uh, some incidences and for some things, that's okay because we connect with one another. We have a relationship with people. And so they're there by our side you know, they're, they're our family or our friends, and they always are caring for us. But there comes a time when people cannot carry the weight of what we're going through spiritually or emotionally. They don't have the capacity to carry us when our souls are weak and when we're not doing so well. They can only do so much. The Bible says to confess your sins to one another so that you may be cleansed so that times of refreshing can come from the presence of the Lord. And so there's a, there's a good thing to do, uh, it's a good thing to do when we do connect with one another or confess our sins to each other or we try to help one another. But there comes a time in everyone's life where only Jesus can carry us. And only He can do what is required for us to get to the place where we need to be. Otherwise, if we only rely on what we know of or what people can do, our life will only go so far and then we'll never be able to reach that next level of growth in our life or we'll never be able to get, that, get our relationships to where we need to be. Jesus needs to carry us. And that's what we want to look at today. You know, when I think of strength and when I think of uh, the ability to carry more than what is required we see so many interesting things happen when a person is built up with strength. We see people carrying heavy weights or we see like a strongman competition. But there is nothing like seeing animals at work. 
Have you ever seen elephants and how strong they are? Or uh, like a, a tiger and how strong they are, how high they can jump? So I, I was interested in this and I looked up the top three animals that are the strongest. And you know what is interesting? In our animal kingdom, the top three animals that are the strongest are not really animals, they are insects. At number three, the, the third strongest animal or insect is actually the leaf cutter ant. Now this leaf cutter ant is able to carry more than its weight can lift and carry in their jaws something 50 times their own weight. Imagine you are able to carry 50 times your weight with your teeth. 50 times your weight. Now, don't make fun of each other's weight. That's not the point here. It's the strength that is required to pick up something that, that, it's that strong. And so these leafcutter ants can do that. It's almost like you and I lifting up a truck with our teeth. That's what these leafcutter ants can do. Number two, the second most strongest insect is the rhinoceros beetle. Now, the rhinoceros beetle can lift something 850 times their weight. Now, to put this into perspective, if a human had the strength of the rhinoceros beetle, then we could be able to lift a 65-ton object. 65 tons. Not so much strength this little beetle has. But the number one insect that is the strongest, believe it or not, has a dirty job. It's the dung beetle. Now this beetle is not only the world's strongest insect, but it is the strongest animal on the planet compared to body weight. They can pull up to 1,411 times their own body weight. This is equivalent of an average person pulling six double-decker buses full of people. Now that's strong. That's a lot of weight to pull. Now, insects have the ability to carry enormous amounts of weight so that they can survive. But they weren't created with strength so that they can enter competitions. They weren't created with strength so that they can show off their abilities to their friends and say, look at what I can carry, look how much leaves I can carry. They don't do that. They do it for the sake of survival. They don't do it to show off or to impress other insects. It's strictly for survival. Now think of it this way. When Jesus carries you, it's more than just for survival. Let's look at our notes. You can take out your notes from your bulletin and follow along. In Isaiah chapter 46, verses 4 and 5, the Bible tells us that God says this, that I will be your God throughout your lifetime until your hair is white with age. He will be our God until... Our hair is white with age. Now what the Bible is saying is there's going to come a time in our life when our hair will turn color. And that's okay. That's fine. Or we develop products that keep it darker. That's okay. He still made us. He will still care for us. He will carry you along and save you. To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal? And what God is saying is you're going to rely on other things in life, but Who can compare to me? Who is my equal? I will carry you throughout your entire lifetime, no matter what you go through, no matter what color your hair becomes. God has no equal. Yet in my life, when I I set up things to carry me, when I I 
put things around my life to make me feel better or I, I included things in my life that uh, kind of made me feel like I'm worthy. That's not why I was created and that's not what God wanted me to do in my life. Because when I tried to create a surrounding to make me feel better, I only came to the realization that that's not why I was created and that's not how I was supposed to be carried on in life. God was supposed to carry me because He's the one able to carry me throughout my entire lifetime. See, it's easy to be overconfident and, and easy to be self-confident when life is smooth. When my life is going okay, when everything's is, everything is working out correctly, it's easy to be self-confident. It's easy to say, oh, I don't need God. Why? Because life is smooth right now. Now, the people of God, the Israelites, God's chosen people who would represent Him to the world, experienced that. They experienced a, a, a time with God when they could see the glory of God, but then they started to fade away from that. And they came to a place where their hearts were hardened. And when Moses led the Israelites through the desert into the promised land, the people were rebellious against God and would not let God be their God and carry them. They kind of like came to a place and said, oh, we got it together. We, got, we, we don't need you. We got everything we need. And then they rebelled against God. They tried to do everything on their own. They made their own gods created, set up, even cultivated their own surroundings so that they would feel better only to realize that those things are not able to carry them through the most difficult times of life. It was God who was able to carry them through. Hebrews 3 verses 7 through 9 says, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you will hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, in the day of trial in the wilderness. Where your fathers tested me, tried me, and saw my works 40 years. They saw God's work for 40 years, yet they still rebelled against Him. Let's not be a rebellious people, but a people who understands the simple truth that Jesus carries us. Now, you may have opposition with some people. You may even think in your own mind, but I don't want to rely on God. That makes me weak. Let me just give you a simple truth. We are all weak. When you say, I need God, it doesn't mean you're weak. It means you're a human being who realizes why you were created. You were created for God. We don't cry out to God because we're weak. We may cry out to Him out of our weakness. But that's not why God says to cry out to me. He created us for Him. That's why we connect with Him. But for some reason in our hearts, we rebel against that like they did for 40 years. So here's the question. Are we going to rebel against God for 40 years? Is it going to take us that long to realize the simple truth that Jesus carries us? Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with allowing Jesus to carry us. Every person can be carried by Jesus by being open to being vulnerable with Jesus. And here's how. We're going to go through three simple truths. And here's the first thing that we can understand is to let God or let Jesus create my surroundings. If left to ourselves, we create the wrong surroundings for our life. Let Jesus create our surroundings. When we create our surroundings without the Lord involved, the end result is rebellion. Hebrews 3, 13 through 15, it says, You must warn each other every day while it is still today. 
so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. For if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed, we shall share, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. Remember what it says, today when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. So the Bible is already telling us this is going to happen. It's a result of humanity. We're going to rebel against God. But now it's saying, learn from that. Learn from the past. Don't rebel against God. You know, as a teenager, I surrounded my room with everything that made me feel good. I, I put uh, my, my dream car, you know, on the, on the walls. You know, we would put posters from the, the magazine of our favorite car, and we'd say, that's the car I want to have. My car costed $135,000. It was a Porsche uh, 935 uh, Turbo Cabriolet. So it was an expensive car, but I thought, hey, one day I'm going to own that car. So I had this big poster of it. And every time I would feel down, I would look at that and say, one day, one day. Well, that day never came. So I had those posters of all those cars. And then I had posters of my favorite actor and, you know, movie posters all on my wall. And whenever I would feel down, I would think, one day I'll be like that actor. One day. That day never came. And that's fine. And then I had uh, pictures of Heidi and I when we would go to the beach or when we'd be hanging out or, you know, prom pictures or, you know, uh, just hanging out with our friends. And then I would draw, you know, Heidi loves Sheldon, things like that. You know, Heidi and Sheldon forever. And I'll just put that all on top of my wall. And so it was plastered all over my wall. I, I put everything that made me feel good on my wall. But still, those things, after a while, it didn't satisfy what was lacking on the inside. When I understood that Jesus was to satisfy everything that made me feel empty, then it made me realize that Jesus needed to be the one to create my surroundings. It couldn't be left up to me. Otherwise, if I left it up to me, then I would surround myself with friends that made me feel good. And then the moment they made me feel bad, I would just get rid of them. I don't want to hang out with them anymore. But if you were good to me, oh, I could hang out with you. And then I would hang out with people who did the same things as me. If they went surf or bodyboarding, I would hang out with them. If they loved art, I would hang out with them. If they did illegal activities, I would hang out with them because that's what I like to do. But it only created a bad environment for me until I realized that Jesus needed to create that environment for me. And then when he created the right environment for me, I could grow just like a plant in a greenhouse. It's a proper environment so that I could grow. Now that I'm, now when the friends that I used to hang around with come around, it's not like I cannot relate to them anymore. It's I understand what is lacking. Not that I'm better, not that I'm any uh, greater, but now I understand that we all need Jesus. And so when he creates this surrounding for us, we're going to notice that it's going to change the very fabric of our lives from the inside out. And as I came to know Jesus, I noticed that there was friction with some of the things that I surrounded myself with. And I needed Jesus to create that surrounding that was best for me. I didn't know what was best for me, but he did. And if I wanted him to carry me through the years throughout my lifetime, he needed to create that surrounding. He needed to create the right surrounding in my relationships. If I wanted Jesus to carry me as a husband, then I needed Jesus 
to make me the husband he wanted me to be. I, I had to be the husband that he wanted me to be, not the one that I wanted to be. It's the one he wanted me to be. It's the, the father, the, the father he wanted me to be. That's, that's, that's what I needed to say to him into, in carrying me. That can you carry me as a father because I cannot be the father I know I'm supposed to be. I need you to carry me through that. As a leader, I need you to carry me as a leader because I'm not the leader that I should be. It's, you have the best way for me. As a husband, as a father, as a person in the community, as a friend, we need Jesus to carry us because he knows how to carry us. It's a simple truth to let Jesus carry us. In, our, in my finances, if I wanted Jesus to carry me in the area of my finances, I had to organize my finances the way he wanted me to, not the way I wanted to. The way I wanted to organize my finances was spend all the money for me, and then whatever I have, pay my bills. And then after I pay my bills, then if God said to tithe, and then I understood that, then I'll tithe to him. But I didn't have anything to tithe with. So God became last in my life. And I would say, no, I love God. I, he's first in my life, but I just can't right now. I can't give to him because I don't have. Well, I had to reorganize my entire financial uh, structure. And so what Heidi and I did is we started to budget. We reprioritized what was important. And if I said God was first and I loved God, then I had to show that in my finances. I couldn't say one thing and then do something else. I couldn't say, God, you're first in my finances, and so I'll go to the movies first, and then I'll come back to you. And if there's anything left over, God, then I'll give you the leftover. That's what the Israelites were doing. That's what they did with God. They would bring their leftover lambs for the sacrifice and the offering. They would look for the worst lamb. They would say, where's the blind lamb? Where's that? Where's, where's brother lamb with the blind eye? Let's go get that lamb. Where's that lamb that was limping the other day, almost ready to die? Let's go find that lamb. Let's offer that to God. That's what they did. They gave God their worst. But then when they would talk story, you love God. Oh, I love God. I love God. I worship Him. I thank God all my life. I love Him. Oh, time for the offering. Oh, offering. Okay. Hey, where's that sickling? Where's the sickling lamb? Where's that goat that was dying the other day? Let's go give that. And they justified their actions and their behavior by God understands. So they would say, God understands. But they were bringing their leftovers to God. So Heidi and I, we had to reprioritize what was important. We even sold what we couldn't afford. We had a brand new car. We just purchased. We had to sell it. Thank God someone bought it at the price we needed to pay off on that car. God, God set it all up. He helped us to reprioritize even our finances. And then we tithed out of a love for God as my worship to God. And this is how we did it. We did what we call a 10-10-80 plan. The first thing Heidi and I did was we sat down and we said, God, thank you for providing for us. Thank you for providing for us. And then we wrote the checkout for, for a tenth of what the Lord blessed us with. So we looked at our, our, our pay, and then we said, here's a tent. And when we looked at that check, we were like, oh, my goodness. I don't know how we're going to do this. But we gave God our first. We gave him our very best. We didn't wait for the leftover. We said, God, you deserve the very best. And it came out of our love for him. And when we did that, then we were able to save 10%. And then even that, we were saying, I don't know how we're going to do this. 
Then we had to live off of 80%. So it was 10 to God, 10 to savings, 80 to live on. And believe me, it was a difficult season to go through because we weren't eating out anymore. We weren't going to the movies. We weren't doing the things we used to do, but God was first. And I tell you this, and I, and I, I put my notes on the side on this one because this is not, I didn't put this down. I'm saying this out of, out of just how I sense God saying right now. You will do a lot better putting God first in your life and your finances than putting Him last and enjoying your life. You're not going to enjoy your life. I've been there. I've tried that. It just doesn't work. It, it doesn't work that way. Then you might be saying, well, you're the pastor. You're supposed to talk about that. I would say this even if I wasn't the pastor. I just understand. That's why we still tithe. We still tithe because we love God and the blessings that come with it. It's just unbelievable how God does what he does. Let Jesus create your surrounding. Let him do that. Let him carry you through. He's going to do a better job than we could. It's a part of our discipline. It's a part of our character. That's another thing that we had to work on. It's, Jesus had to, he had to do something inside of me. Integrity. I had to learn from the Lord. I had to let him create my surrounding when it came to church. That I, I said, Lord, church is important for me. It's a surrounding. It, it's, it's what you're, you're able to do through the body of Christ together. When I see my friends, my, my church family, when I connect with them, I don't come to church because I'm the pastor here. I always came to church because I needed to. Because it was a surrounding that God placed in my life for me to say, I, I, I want to be here, Lord. I grow with you. I grow with my fellow brothers and sisters. I learn from my kupuna. I learn from those that have gone before me. I need this surrounding. What better place to go to than a place where we're all brokenhearted, but we know the one who can fix it. That together, we can let Jesus carry us. Devotions is another thing that I had to work on. That Lord, that's a surrounding. Let him put that around your life. Discipleship. We have our Wednesday night equipping disciple. And I know some of you, you're apprehensive of coming to Wednesday night because we break up into groups. Don't be afraid. Just come once. And then you let me know how it is. Because we're still working on it. But it's, it's something that God said you need to surround yourself with discipleship. You've got to learn and grow in me. Otherwise, you're going to stay the same and you're going to go through the same things over and over. Let him create your surrounding. Here's the second thing. We've got to understand this. Here's the truth. Jesus is willing and able to carry me. He's willing and he's able. It's one thing for someone to be able to carry you. But willing and to be willing is another thing. Now, there are some people who are willing to carry you, but they may not be able to carry you. Long ago in my teenage so-called partying years, I remember we were at someone's home and someone threw up. And everyone came around and they were like, hey, we got to help them. And, 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 and everyone was able to help that person. Everyone was able. But when they saw it, they went, oh, no, I ain't going to clean that up. No, I ain't cleaning that up. They were able, but they weren't willing our children make a mess, and we look at the mess, and we're saying, I ain't going to clean that up. You guys clean that up. We're able to, but we're not willing to. 
There's a cockroach in the house. Some of you are able to. Many of you, we're all able to get the cockroach. But how many of us are willing to? It just grosses us out. I do not like cockroaches, but I have to be willing because Heidi is not willing. If there's one in the house, I got to go get it. It's like I got to man up and be willing and go get the cockroach. Centipedes, hate those buggers. Don't want to see them. But I have to be willing to go get them because Heidi's not going to go get them. I have to be willing. Many of us are able, but we're just not willing. Jesus is both willing and able to carry us. Matthew 8, verses 2 and 3 says, And behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus put on his hand and touched him, saying, I am, what is the word? Willing. Be cleansed. Immediately, his leprosy was cleansed. See, Jesus is both willing and able to carry us through the worst times of life. And when Jesus was about to be nailed and crucified to the cross, there were people who ridiculed him. There were also two thieves that were crucified next to Jesus. So I want to ask you this question before we read this scripture. How do you identify yourself with Jesus? And in this scripture, pick out which person you would be. Which one do you identify with? Luke chapter 23, verse 33, and then 39 through 43. When they came to a place called the skull, they nailed him to the cross, and the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed, you, so you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by, saying, by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested, don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. So here's my question. Are you like the man who says to Jesus, prove yourself to me? Jesus, if you love me, you would help me. Jesus, prove yourself. If you love me, you would provide for me. Jesus, if you love me, then you would get me that job. Jesus, if you love me, then you would heal me. You would heal so and so. Jesus, if you did this, then I would believe. If this happened, then I would believe. Is that you? And you're saying, prove it to me, Jesus. Prove it. Or are you like the other man who says, Jesus, you don't have to prove a thing I just want to be with you. You know what is interesting out of this conversation that they had with Jesus? Jesus responded to the one that said, I want to be with you. I want to be with you in your kingdom. Remember me. Jesus responded to him. And he said, I assure you today, you will be with me in paradise. It's almost like when we say prove it to the Lord, that's an end in itself. But when we say, Jesus, you don't have to prove anything. I just want to be where you are. Now sky's the limit. Now there's options. Now there's a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now he can carry you. Because we're not asking him for anything. We're just saying, I just want to be with you. You see how important this relationship is? 
We're just saying with him, I want to be with you. Not only is Jesus able to carry us in this lifetime, but what he said to that one thief, that you'll be with me in paradise today, he's able to carry us into eternity. Because here's the last thing, number three, Jesus qualifies to carry me. He qualifies. No one else on this earth qualifies like Jesus does. When Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist at about age 30 and came up out of the water, the Bible tells us this in Matthew chapter 3, verse 17. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Now there are many baptisms that took place throughout history, many baptisms that has happened in this church, but nothing like what happened when Jesus was baptized. And all baptisms are great. Something special about this one. It's like God was saying, Jesus qualifies. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. He's the son of God. He qualifies to carry us. What an extraordinary moment. But right after that, Matthew 4.1 records, then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Powerful thing happened. Baptism, yay. Now he's led into the desert to be tempted by the devil. But it was at that time where he was tempted. He was, he was tried. He was, he was tested for the purpose of ascertaining his quality. That's what was happening. God was testing. Jesus was being tested. The devil tested him of how he thought, how he would behave himself, how he would react. And Jesus passed the test. And then he said this to the devil, Matthew 4, 10 and 11. Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Let's just, let's just get this really clear. When Jesus carries you, he carries you. When you're tested and you pass that test, he will carry you. Angels ministered to him. Tell me Jesus wouldn't minister to you. Tell me Jesus wouldn't carry you. If he was willing to die on the cross for you and I, he would be willing to carry you and I. He qualifies. He's willing and able. He wants to create that surrounding for us. When you let Jesus carry you, you're going to find that life becomes more bearable. You're filled with a peace that you cannot explain. And something is produced in your life that is eternal. And that happens as a result of us saying, Jesus, just carry me. The things that I'm going through, I trust you in. And when that happens, people will ask you, how in the world do you carry yourself through what you go through? And here's our answer. We're going to read this scripture together as we conclude today. Let's read this together. Philippians 4.13. Ready? Go. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Can we say that again? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's our answer. That's why we can let Jesus carry us. Because he has the strength to do so. Today, let this be the day that you declare to your soul that nothing else will carry you but Jesus Christ. It's a simple truth. Let Jesus carry you. Let him create that surrounding, that better surrounding for you so that you can live the life he promised for you. He's willing. He's able. He has the strength to do so. And Jesus is able to do exceedingly, abundantly more than we could possibly ever imagine. It's the simple truth. 
Let's not complicate that. Would you pray with me? Lord, it's, it's with a heart of gratitude. We say thank you that you're able to carry us. Through the worst times of life, you're able to carry us. We could have a, a good season, a bad season. You still carry us. Help us to realize that, Lord. It's a simple truth. Let's not complicate that. Let's come to the place that we say to you daily. Surround us with the right environment. Create that environment for us, the right surroundings. Help us to make those decisions that are necessary to reprioritize our lives or our finances or our, our relationships and, and the things that we surround ourselves with. Lord, speak to our hearts. You're willing, you're able. You're capable. You have the strength to do so. Jesus, you have what it takes. You qualify. You're the son of God. And we have a relationship with you. No one can take that away. So carry us, Lord, throughout our lifetime. Thank you for that simple truth. In Jesus' precious name we pray. And we all said, amen.